This is Mission Disco, a conversation about imagination, innovation, and Christian mission in Ireland and beyond. I am Simon Kilpatrick. And I am Brian Sanders. We are your DJs for this conversation. Uh, okay, Simon, good to see you. Literally, good to see you too, you. Brian. Although no, no, no viruses are being transmitted in this podcast recording. Uh, we are, we're, we're zoom conscious here. We're not in the uh, luxury of our, uh, podcast recording studio our podcast recording suite. That's correct. Uh, so and very, our sound probably sounds different as well because we're in <laughs> probably does places. probably does. Well, and we know, you know, our, our listenership is probably so discerning about such things. They care so deeply about high quality technical, you know, absolutely. So, that's why most people should I'm sure. <laughs> So we'll just ask for their their patience in this in these trying times. It is good to see you though, ma'am. And and we were just talking a second ago, so we'll just invite everybody into that conversation. We had a chance to, um, as as I'm sure many people are doing these days, kind of have church online, a version of church online, the last couple of weeks and this weekend. Um, you know, Simon and I are both here in Dublin, part of um, a community called Ignite, which is led by Michael and Belinda Briggs, who have been, you know, on this podcast. Um, but I, th- I think Michael took about 10 minutes and he just, he spoke to, to the moment, the culture moment that we're in, uh, in a way I just thought was really meaningful. Uh, and profound and so if it's okay we wanted to play for you the lion's share of that that short talk um, to reflect on it okay uh, Jeremiah 29 11 for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future. This is a, a verse that's used wide, widely. It's a, a verse that's written on graduation cards. It's quoted to encourage a person who seems to be struggling with their faith and is often doled out like a doctor uh, explaining a prescription, you know, just give Jeremiah 29, 11 a few times with a glass full of water and uh, call me in the morning and I think you're going to be uh, better. Um, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This is possibly one of the most beloved, yet most misunderstood verses in the entire Bible. Sure, it might make a person feel better, But this verse, as we often prescribe it, is taken completely out of context. And it doesn't mean what people think it means. This morning, I want to take a little time to to back up and see what the author of Jeremiah might actually be saying, rather than what we want him to be saying. The writer in Jeremiah begins... um, by stating uh, the subject of the passage in, in Jeremiah 
29 verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This verse quoted to countless individuals who are struggling with purpose or discerning God's will is not actually written to individuals at all. This passage is written to a whole group of people, to an entire nation. For all the um, grammaristas out there, the you in Jeremiah 29, 11 isn't singular, it's plural. And you don't have to be a, a Hebrew scholar to realize that one versus many is a big difference. The context in, in Jeremiah 29 is all about exile. Maybe that word is, is one that we're just beginning to understand uh, a little bit more. The Israelites at this time were in exile and it was the, the consequences of their disobedience. The, the Jewish people disobeyed God in every possible way. Um, they traded him for evil gods, preferring to worship demons and to bow to the king of kings. And as a direct result of that disobedience, God sent them into Babylonian exile. And in the midst of that, we meet Hananiah, a seer, uh, a prophet. In chapter 28, Hananiah prophesied peace for Israel, saying that they will be returning to Jerusalem soon. That his, uh, Hananiah's message was that all will be well. Problem was, he wasn't telling the truth. All would not be well. The prophet Jeremiah confronts, uh, or the prophet Jeremiah uh, confronts this false prophet, Hananiah. Jeremiah calls out Hananiah's lie and then states the promise that we read in verse 11. God does indeed have a good plan for the Israelites, but it is a plan, uh, and it is a plan that will give them hope and a prospering future. This sounds good, right? Uh, this is the sort of thing that we want to hear. The thing is, before he shares this promise, he gives them another directive from God. Jeremiah tells the people, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which uh, I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Seek the peace and prosperity of Babylon, of the place in which you're exiled, because if this nation prospers, then you too will prosper. That is uh, not what the Israelites wanted to hear at all. They wanted to be told that they were going to go home, going to return to normal. They wanted to be told that their suffering was going to end. Instead, God's plan was for them to stay right where they were and to help prosper the nation that they found themselves in. And then came the biggest blow of all. In verse 10, uh, God says that he would fulfill this after 70 years are completed in Babylon. This meant that none in the current generation of Israelites would ever return to their home. And what a crushing thing to be told. 
there's nothing more that I would love to do than to tell everyone that everything's going to be fine. But I can't do that. Some people in our community may get sick and, and some seriously. Some people in our community will lose their jobs and some already have. Some people in our community will seriously struggle with anxiety and mental health problems. Some people in our community will be in the front lines of this fight, saving many lives, but they may also face consequences for that. Our faith does not give us special protection from this virus. We are in the same boat as people from all different faiths and none. We prosper together or not at all. We regularly speak of looking for a better kingdom in Ignite, namely God's kingdom. And, and maybe in days like this, we feel that yearning inside us growing, almost screaming out. But God is not calling us to escapism, but rather to find resilience in the midst of our trials. God fills, um, fills us with awe at how valuable this life is. And God gives us a holy hope that this life is not all that there is. Our suffering here means something. We long for a better country. We long for a better place. We long for the health of people in our community and in this country to improve and to be better. Yes, of course, God knows the plans he has for us. And ultimately, I believe that he will give us a glorious future. But as we work out our lives in this crazy earth at this crazy time, let us remember that the best growth comes through persevering through trials, not escaping them entirely or putting our head in the sand. And when we learn perseverance, we find surprising joy and peace. God's heart in Jeremiah 29, 11, is not that we escape our lot and just say, oh, well, sure, God knows the plans for us and it's fine, we'll all be good, everything will be well. But rather, God's heart in Jeremiah 29, 11, is that we learn to thrive in the midst of it that we join together with the people across our nation to prosper together. And I pray that for each of you in your different scenarios and places uh, that you find a way to do that. And I pray for us as a, a people. Let's remember that we prosper together as a community and as a nation. And let's be there for each other where we can, and let's live as exemplary citizens. So that was a recording of uh, Michael Briggs uh, sharing on Jeremiah 29, uh, just there on Sunday. And uh, yeah, we thought it would be helpful maybe just to, to hear that and reflect on it, maybe some things that stood out to us um, on that. I think for me, uh, 
yeah, a lot of the time we hear that first and we hear it given us to, to us as individuals. And I think uh, particularly at a time like this, when we're thinking, when we see um, nations leaders addressing the whole nation, I think it's, it's helpful for us to hear this passage um, said to um, the whole church. Um, we have, you know, the, the Taoiseach and we have uh, world leaders speaking to their nations. But if we hear this as a, a church together and not just to us as individuals, um, I think it's helped us put in that context to see it as actually how do we seek uh, the welfare of our country. And for us, I suppose, at the moment is doing what the government asks us to do uh, in staying indoors. Um, I think also uh, a sobering reality maybe in this passage and a sobering reality for lots of us around um, the world. Um, the prophet in this, Hanaya, says that, you know, it'll be over soon. Uh, and I suppose we don't know when that's over. Um, and I think there's something helpful uh, for us when we think about this as a thing that God is in it and God does promise and God will bring us through it. But we don't know when that is. And I think for me, reflecting on that and my ability even to stay at home for the past two weeks has been helped by the fact that I've accepted that this is just what's happening. And this is what's happening not only in Ireland, but around the world. And it's not only happening to me, but it's happening to all of us we're all in the same boat. And I think knowing that we don't know when this will end and when things will go back to normal in inverted commas, but I think us being reminded and told that this is um, a thing that will go on a little while. I think that helps me um, to um, get through this in a different way and embrace nearly the, the, the place we're in. So there were just one or two things. I have another few, but Brian, did you have any um, other particular things? Just after that, yeah, I, th I think maybe what struck me more than it ever has before is this is kind of reflection on interdependence, like the like you just said the I don't I don't know it's it it can feel like kind of us and them. I mean, as missionary people, we, we obviously see that that we're called two people to a people. Um. But but you know we're different, and we, we we recognize that we're different, and that 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 can create a kind of brokenness almost in relationship. Like it's a pre-existing brokenness. Like we are not you, and you are not us. And that is true. I mean, it really is true on a number of like you know metaphysical levels. So then, but then we realize we can't really love people. We can't really reach people. We can't really. I don't know see the kingdom come in a place if we're not part of it, you know, if we're not deeply connected. So we talk about as missionaries, we talk about incarnation, like how do we become flesh in the midst of that? But even that Simon, it's like a, it's like work. It's like a journey. It's like, we're not incarnated. So we have to, we have to find a way to do that where we are different. We are separate. We are called out. And so how do we, how do we walk alongside people shoulder to shoulder and really really be as much like them or connect to them as we possibly can without sin or without losing our holiness or our, our intimacy with God. But it just this, in this moment, this kind of experience of this pandemic thing, it's, it's so, we're so intertwined with each other. We're, it's so, it is, it is common to us. The, 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 the rain is falling on the just and the unjust. Um, and so I don't know, just yeah, that 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 reflection on 
not just the promise of like a future and prosperity that goes to everyone, the just and the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous, but but our call as missionary people to seek the welfare or seek the peace of the city that we're in, as broken as it is, as sinful as it is. And it just, I don't know, it made me think also just about, I, I guess the word is interdependence, right? You know, the we need we need them, they need us in maybe yeah. slightly different ways. Um, like Jesus at the with the woman at the well, you know, that's such a great um, missionary engagement. And and when 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 I've studied it in the past, we we always kind of focus on the conversation between Jesus and the woman as kind of a missionary template or something like that. But you know, the whole thing starts with him asking her for a drink. You know, like the I it just I just is there a missionary principle there of like I need your help? And act, actually, as a person that's almost you know obsessively concerned with servanthood like being a servant leader he asks her to serve him you know to do something for him to help him in some way um which you know i, I don't know i just i that's a, it's a kind of counterintuitive thought about how to be a good missionary you know at some level we just say i'm here to serve you i'm here to help you but there's no vulnerability in that there's no interdependence in that when when we show up in that way like i have something you need and i and i'm willing to even help you with your physical needs or whatever but i don't need anything from you and i'm not i'm not dependent on you in any way and there's no vulnerability in me in any way um i think that's a yeah i think that's a i suppose it's something i've yeah probably been learning over time that there is that if we go in as a, a people who have all the answers and who have no needs of ourselves, it's very, um, yeah, serving becomes a thing that I'm better than you, I'm able to serve you, but actually coming alongside people with our needs and our brokenness as well definitely opens up a real relationship and real um, opportunities. I think part of what Michael um, spoke about there as well, he talked about, you know, that that community, our communities will struggle and um, there will be sickness and job loss and all those other things that we will be impacted in either directly or indirectly. Um, and that's, a, and that's a, a difficult place to be in. And how do we do that? Not only with our, maybe our faith community, our church, but also uh, with the people around us, our, our neighbors or, or the people. I think one, one encouraging thing, because I think sometimes maybe we can feel a little bit lost in amongst all of this and unknownness. And as we read Jeremiah 29, there is a little bit of a, you know, it's going to be 70 years before this promise is um, revealed to them. But a little bit after when Michael spoke about it, did talk about, you know, you'll call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Um, and then a little bit further down, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I think that's, there's times like this where you're a little bit lost and a little bit unsure about what to do, how to act, how to serve people. Um, but it's knowing that, yeah, there was the wait of 70 years or there's the wait for us of whatever length of time it is. But it's not that God is absent in that time, that God is present in us, uh, in our communities, uh, in our neighborhoods, in, in the places uh, that we are. Yeah, and, uh, and all missionary all missionary work or, you know, that's pure, fruitful or holy is relational. You know, it's like, 
and maybe that's maybe that's the point in the end. That's why that's why we talk about incarnation, and all relationships need reciprocity. You know, it's not a real relationship if I I'm always the one helping you, and I'm always the one teaching you, and I'm always the one, you know, sort of above you in a sense. Both both as a person serving because I don't have any needs and you do, but as the person with knowledge and the message and so forth. And we need that reciprocity to have true relationship. I just wonder, even in a moment like this, where we're struggling to figure out what do we do in mission when we're confined and stuff like that. But to actually, if we have a need and somebody on our block could help us in some way, and we're actually vulnerable and open to say, hey, could you help me with this? You know, um, Does that essentially give us the possibility of relationship, like deeper relationship than we ever thought we could have with our neighbors? Not because of what we can do for them in this moment, but but possibly because of a way that they could help us. I, I it made me think about. I think it, I think it was like something I read about Ben Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, that he had this kind of uh, he had all these little little proverbial um, nuggets of wisdom about how to how to deal with life's challenges, and I think he he one of his uh, tips on how to how to convert your enemies. So if somebody really hates you or doesn't like you, so he would have a rival or an enemy or something. He he would ask them to borrow a book. That was that was one of his little strategies, uh, because he thought if the person if I, if the person will do something nice for me, like if I'm in need, and they can serve me, they can help me in some way, then he realized that it created some kind of bond. Uh, because he was willing to be weak, because he was willing to be in need. Uh, and that person saw themselves as helping him. It could break down that enmity between the two. I just think that's, that's really fascinating. Uh, and there could be moments like that for us in the coming days where we recognize our interdependence. It's not contrived. It's true. It's real. You know, we, we still have shortcomings. We still have needs. And people who don't yet know Jesus, or he, even even who, who suffer great kind of existential trouble, can still help us. You know, can still meet us in our place of need, mm. um, and that could open up the possibility of real dialogue, real relationship, and then us us giving them what it is that we have to offer, uh, what it is that we bring to the table, uh, which is in part Jesus and this hope hope of something. Uh, greater yeah and i think if we have if we do embrace the the time we're in rather than trying to literally like sit it out or escape it and just lay low until it's over i think uh, and michael said it in it but how do we learn to thrive in the midst of it how do we embrace where we are relearn and do things differently embrace change try and experiment with stuff um and try and just thrive in it rather than see it as a, a time of nothing's going to happen. This is dead now for X number of weeks. Yeah. Uh, whether that's relationships with people, whether that's what church looks like, whether it's serving the communities we're in, whether it's seeking the welfare of the city, whatever it might be, um, embracing it rather than just trying to escape it or get through it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and maybe even just to recognize that we're all, I think he, he, he said something that kind of made me think of this kind of longing for home. Uh, and and that we share this home, you know, when the, when the restaurants are closed down, they're closed down for us all, and we're all missing the same rhythms. We're all we're all experiencing the same, you know, destabilization 
of our lives and and longing for a better world in a sense together i mean i don't know of a time in my lifetime where there has been a kind of resonant longing from the human race you know for the same thing for the same thing and that that longing for normalcy or rhythm or life to to be right again that longing for a sense of home is is of course a proxy for something else for some greater longing which was always there which we're tuned into and it's just it's 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 just a profound moment for us to not just see that that's happening but when the time is right eventually to to give shape to that to put words on that longing that our neighbors are feeling that our colleagues are feeling that our our local shop owner is feeling um you know as they struggle with this the suffering of it to also look for meaning and hope and we we I don't know. We too are longing for home and have been for a long time. And, and we, we have some description of what that home may look like one day, this promise that God has made to us. You know. You've been listening to Mission Disco, a podcast by Praxis Movement. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Praxis Movement. Subscribe, like, or download this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or online at praxismovement.com.